Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. We are back from London. Yes, we are. Cheerio, toodaloo, God save the queen, watch Which, out for that bus. Was, <laughs> those are all things that we experienced in London. Thanks to everybody who brought us out there. Yeah, Raj Kotecha, Project, Project Gersh, Gersh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen. Shout out to DJ Semtex. We had an amazing conversation that drops... Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, the 19th. Yeah. Shout out to everybody who was in the building. We packed that place out. There's so many people we have to thank, and we'll save that for next week. Yeah. Just know, guys, we did everything you wanted us to do. We went to Trafalgar Square. You wanted us to go to Trafalgar Square. We did it. We we went to Big Ben. You wanted us to go to Big Ben. We did it. We went to Buckingham Palace. Yep. We threw rocks at the window and said, (laughs) hey, Queen, we're downstairs. We did a lot of things, and you guys know that there was one thing that we wanted to do, and we were told to do more than any other. We had to go to Nando's. For anyone who doesn't know, Nando's is the chicken spot in London. You have to go to ASAP Ferg raps about it on his song Nando's. All the rappers go there. Every corner we were on, every person we met, every radio interview we did out there, we were talking about Nando's. Yeah. We are just trying to get that Nando's sponsorship deal. Nando's, home of the Whopper. So for us, for you guys, and really for the culture... We had to go. Had to go, and guess what? We did go. We went, and I mean, look, there weren't, but there should have been fireworks. It was like walking into Nando's. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it was like walking into Mecca or Nando's. Like, So we go down, we sit down at a table, and we're sitting there for like 15 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes. Like, by the way, expectations are growing this entire time. But nobody's visiting our table. Not one waitress, so not we, one waiter. So we call over to one waitress who is speeding by, and we're like, hey, you, Miss Nando's, we're here. Yeah. And she says, All okay, right. so go to the counter and order at the counter. We're like, oh, we're okay, like, oh. gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, we order the food. Yeah. And we're like, what are you known for? And it's like all chicken. It's the sauce. We're getting ready for it. And they finally bring it over to table 25. And it was fine. It was fine. It was all right. Yeah, it was all right. It was whatever. It's um, it was fine. It was all right. Yeah, I mean, there's just nothing to be like, oh my god, like it was ama- like they yeah, don't, we they don't even have merch. <laughs> I know that was the biggest problem. Oh, that annoyed me so much. Just sell me a shirt. Sell me a shirt for the experience. Anyway, thank you, London. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, London. We're so eager to get back. It was like dipping a, a toe into the pool. We only experienced so much. I would say it was more like di- dipping a Nando's wing into the hot sauce that's right the peri peri sauce oh my god today on the podcast we have our good friend our longtime friend chuck english chuck english from the cool kids we've known for god a long time yeah uh, we met him first at suny purchase shout out to kaz real life kaz on twitter who arranged uh this this purchase it was like spring fling yeah with drake and and the cool kids And as you guys know, the Cool Kids are dropping an album on this Friday, September 15th, and this is a long time coming. Yeah. Because they've gone through a long hiatus. We get into that. I don't think that I've heard an interview where he's talked about it, really. Well, it's funny because we did an interview with Asher Roth, and it's like three funny guys sitting down at a table, three microphones. You think it's going to be a hilarious interview, and then it turns out to be a very deep interview and philosophical sort of thing very meaningful and and a lot of history that people may not know and it's the same thing with this one i think where it's like chuck english is a really funny guy but he came in and we talked about 
everything a, a from a lot of deep stuff soup to nuts farm to table all of that yeah chicken to sauce the whole thing whole thing shout out to nando's our sponsor <laughs> anyway it's an amazing episode chuck is a great dude and you want to talk about somebody whose influence is highly underrated then talk about us but also talk about <laughs> chuck english Jeff, when do you want to get into this podcast? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. What the Business, a.k.a. AskJeeves.com. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Six Lambs in My Garage, a.k.a. Mariah Carey Fan Club. Yo, it's Chuck English, a.k.a. <laughs> Chuck English. <laughs> <laughs> Young getting it in the kitchen. <laughs> Table. That's all I can come up with. Yeah, this is a way to with the thrill. Chuck, what's happening? And I wish I had a pre-warning to get my shit together. Yo, let's take it back to the very beginning. Where... Are you originally from? I'm from Detroit, Michigan. So, like, the city, born and raised? Born and raised, east side, Hutzel Hospital. What'd your parents do for a living? My mother is a registered nurse. At the time I was born, my father worked at GM. And through, like, just trying to find his pr- professional or, cr- cr- you know. My dad's not going to stay at something just because he likes, like, it, it's there. He'll quit a job and go start some other shit. Yeah. So now he's a teacher, which wow. makes him really happy. Wow. So, um, yeah, nursing and teacher. Wow. And for some time working at GM. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's working at GM, though, in the Detroit area in the 80s is like, how the what the fuck else are you going to do? Right. No, company town. You work GM or Ford. Everybody's family in Michigan and Detroit area when I was growing up. You're either grandmother or grandfather. Everybody worked for GM, Ford, or Chrysler. And and you're driving American-made cars, right? Yep. And you're real, real, real prideful about it. Like, now I'm kind of over that shit because right. now, I'm, you know, it's like I've awoken. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even like people from Detroit that didn't drive American cars. Yeah. Like, we used to snarl at our family members that would have Fords when they drove their Ford over. But now, the rest of my family, now that my dad doesn't work for GM, my grandfather's retired from GM, but my aunt worked for Ford, and her husband is like a high up at Ford, and they live in China, like overseeing like a whole bunch of Ford shit. So Whoa. now the whole family drives Ford cars. Whoa. When I was growing up, it was like, Switched GM, up. GM, <laughs> get your ass whooped. <laughs> what does Motown mean to you? Um, like the word Motown or the word Detroit, or what is the Motown? Motown, the record label. Oh, okay. Motown is like, it's an odd, not even an odd, it's just an odd uh, association because I'm really close to it, and I don't really check in on how, but my grandmother um, went to high school with a lot of those people. Wow. And so did my mother's father. And my mother's um, my mother's uncle was kind of like best friends with Smokey Robinson. Like she, <laughs> He used to be always over the house. My mom used to tell me stories about how my great-grandmother had to beat Smokey Robinson's ass, too, on front of her porch. <laughs> so, like, when you hear stories like that, it just reminds remind, you, like, how historic, like... Uh, not historic, that's not the word. Uh, just how legendary my family feels to me when they tell me stories, just the life they live, not because of what they did, but my uh, great-grandmother, she was the first... Um, black woman to work for Ford or make over 40k in wow. the 50s. You wow. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. my grandfather was driving a drop top red convertible to school before he met my grandmother. Man. Like my grandmother hated him because like who is this spoiled motherfucker? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we just, it's just a it's very thick history, and I feel like um, like when I have kids, I'll do a better job of trying to tell them. But we don't talk that much. We don't like go through 
revisited revisionist history when we're all together it's like now it's like what's for what's, what do we eat now you know what i mean like that's why i like my i love my family but when i think about like the connections to motown it kind of just goes over my head a little bit you know what i mean as as much as i do believe it it's hard to believe you yeah. get what i'm saying yeah. like when i drive past the motown spot when i'm home it's like if you're not there to see that shit you drive past and you're like fuck is that well it's such a different detroit now yeah, it's like, a way different detroit like, after motown left for la and also the auto industry being the way it, it went yeah it must feel like a shell of itself yeah and it was like a a, a complete come down musically to me uh, you know as a child like what is detroit music and what it is now is electronic mm-hmm. you know what i mean like that's what i was hearing i was hearing sped up everything everything was was ghetto tech jit music like like uh craft work it was mm-hmm. like craft it was like oh everything was craft work everything felt like you know like some blade runner like, <laughs> sh- like super scandinavian <laughs> yeah but it had this eerie darkness to it of bass you know like i say half not half of but the majority of the motivation and like inspiration I get for like oh, everything I make comes from like age seven till about eleven. Mm-hmm. I saw so much cool shit I couldn't do that just possessed me. You know what I mean? I lived around the corner when we lived. <clears throat> we used to live. Uh, I was like Outer Drive in Newport uh, when I was first born, and then we moved to like Harper and Cadu. It was like another part of the East Side, but it's like where all the firemen and cops and all of them live. So it was a very colorful <clears throat> uh street i lived on before we moved out to mount clemens so it was like we had every family every type of race on our street and around the corner was the hood like it didn't look like it but i knew what the fuck was going on because the dudes used to shoot dice behind my garage and i could hear it it never sounded bad it always sounded like the beginning of records like the skits that yeah. people listen to like the beginning of the woo shit like that's what it sounded like so when i heard that the first time coming off albums i'm like oh every i'm in the middle of it so like uh another scene that that was really clear for me is when i'm in like second grade prince fielder the baseball player goes to school across the street from me so yeah. i went to the public school and there was a private school across the street i'll never forget this shit it's like Two weeks after nothing but a G thing comes out, oh and I, me and my, all my friends, we watched it on the box eighteen <laughs> times in a row because before they stopped that firewall of you being able to redo it, you could somebody will fuck around on the box and spend their whole bread, and you'll watch. Everybody in the country has to watch this man's fucking playlist. <laughs> I think people forget about that when they talk about how great the box was. They forgot like. Yo, somebody got up there and felt like balling out. You're watching his shit all day. Yeah, yeah. or yours. it's like you're watching Macarena like 17 times in a row. <laughs> yeah. I remember when Slim Shady came out. Yeah. Eminem Slim. Yo, the box was the worst place ever because it was every day. It was that in a pink song. 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 Oh, my God. <laughs> that shit is crazy. Um, but Cecil Fielder, his dad, yep. is driving down the street in a 1963 Impala Blue, just like the one on the chronic hitting switches to pick his son up (laughs) and we're all outside like whoa (laughs) and he's listening to like fucking he's listening to mc (laughs) Bree with a detroit 
like he yeah. you know, like how Cecil Fielder looked. He just looked just like this. <laughs> he like I was he was projecting my image on myself. And like, that in the commercials <laughs> when they show like the the players like doing like going grocery shopping or whatever in their in full uniform. This yeah, is like that in bro, real life. that shit was amazing. Like down to. You know, like even New Year's Eve's. Like New Year's Eve is like the scariest, most eerie shit to me because everybody shoots, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that that shit was weird. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we were taught on New Year's Eve, like right before, uh, right before the ball drop, we had to sleep on the floor. Oh my god! <laughs> we had to sleep on the floor, and I used to think that shit was cool. Yeah, I don't know why the fuck I thought it was cool, That's but really for your and you're just hearing safety. boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. I looked out my window one night. Saw a big ass flash, but that shit sticks in my head, and why it might be detrimental to somebody else. I'm like, man, like my life, like shit was cool. Like, of course it's gonna be a little bit scary. It's like looking over the over a freeway overpass. Like you step off and fucking die, and that's right. why it's pretty cool. You right, know? right, right. But yeah, all of that shit kind of stacked on top of itself, and like around the time I broke my ankle, it was like it really was a release. Like, oh man, let me try this. And who are you musically through high school? Are you are you playing in bands? Are uh, you... yeah, all through middle school. Like in middle school, I was playing drums for like, uh, my dude's band that kind of sounded like uh, Sublime. So I'm like 13 playing <laughs> with 17 year olds on on a drum set. Yeah, yeah. I was playing the drums since I was six. Really? Yeah, I played in church. Then. My parents kind of got involved, and I, I, I don't want to discredit them because they were so supportive of my drumming. Like they, they got a little too supportive, <laughs> and like started doing a lot of uh, incentive, like- incentive drummings, which kills. It kind of kills kids. Is why a lot of kids quit their instrument when they're in the beginning because if they don't figure it out on their own and learn to love it on their own. It's like it'll get destroyed because on top of you listening to your parents and having to do everything your parents say for them to tell you to do this one thing, too, that you already thought you could do on your own. And did you did you practice your drums? No. Fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like it was it was like I didn't pay all these money for this to do that. And you're like, shit, man, I just want to fucking go outside now. I want to hear this (laughs) shit. Yeah. But I stuck with it. I I loved them that much. It was like a connection to the music I would listen to with my father. Um you know, like I just I I've loved the drums ever since I saw my first set. Yeah. So yeah. that's who I was in high school, and then the beats came when I I tried to take my drums to college, and I did take my drums to college. To and your I set dorm them, room? Set them bitches up. Who exactly was your roommate? <laughs> yeah. What were they gonna say? <laughs> you know, like I lived in a I lived in the most interesting uh, four man. I like all those dudes, man. But they it was four people. Yeah, we had an apartment. Yeah, I went to art school. It was like yeah, yeah. they gave us an apartment. We lived in an apartment to downtown. Loyola? No, I went to Illinois Institute of Art, like okay. the AI of Chicago. Yeah, and uh, we had an apartment. It was like a two bedroom, pretty big apartment. And uh, yeah, we had turntables there. Everybody's computer was set up. <clears throat> one dude did animation and coding. Uh, one of my guys was a complete goth. So he had his whole shit set up real dark and scary. You lived in an agency. <laughs> yeah, I lived with the... They were, like, pretty much I felt like my college played a joke on me. They were like, fill out this questionnaire so we can better mer- patch... I mean, better pair you with people that are like you. And I show up to my shit, and I'm like, Yo. You found out a lot about yourself. You were like, <laughs> hold on, Whoa. wait a minute. I'm really uh Am I all these quarter guys? Quarter goth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a quarter goth. That's a real thing. Um... Yeah, so uh, who I was in, in in high school, I didn't think that I would ever 
let me lie, let me not lie. I definitely thought I just was very quiet about what my intentions to do were, but I was extremely diligent about my craft and getting better. Well, yeah, at it. but you know, college, like going off to college, and you're going out of town, and and you bring like your musical taste, and you you know, everyone thinks they're refined to some degree, right? And then you go and you meet other people, and you're just like, I never even heard of this type of music. I never considered listening to that music, and all of a sudden, you know, your mind frame shifts, and you're going from playing Sublime to playing what then, like in, in college? Um, I was I would do a lot of jam bands, but see, when I got to school, like. Not poetry, but open mics were big. Yeah. So people would, I would play drums for people's open mics. So it'd be like, like somebody, I know a dude that he is, uh, he would pretty much open mics was like part of his thing. And he had the guitar and he would play like, you know, four or five part chords, something that you can get a song off to if you had one. And I would just follow him. Wow. We would just do that. And like, that was really the smooth way to, for me to talk to girls in school and girls from the other, you know, surrounding schools and i dug i dig that for a while or link up with a lot of other um you know aspiring musicians to we would have jam sessions and record them it really wasn't like let's make an album and try to get signed it was just like i was just sharpening my sword yeah just being around people seeing how good i was compared to the people that everybody else says was really good because that's what i like to do if you think somebody's really good i like to go sit next to them and see how far i got before I'm smoking them. Besides music, like what other sort of crafts did you stick your toe into? Um, I was a, a really trippy story storyboarder. Like, really trippy with storyboard. I haven't done one in like six or seven years, which is like a testament to my breakup with college. Like when I when I broke up with school, I was fucking over it. Like my Photoshop and and, and illustrator skills are so elementary compared to where I was in like nineteen twenty. That shit's like lifting weights. So if you stop, you lose. And then they update the the, <laughs> the software, so it's like a whole bunch of new shit that everybody else can do that I can't do. <clears throat> so between, you know, kind of giving up my pencil drawings because I would do one line like I would draw the storyboard perfect, like perfect. Yeah. And like it was it was like comic books to me. I would do comic book scenes too. So that's wild. Um. I painted a lot. I was just, I wanted to create shit. So it could be anything. What got you in a predicament where you were stuck up on your couch uh, watching Fresh Prince in the middle of the night? It's a pretty cool story, actually. Not really, but it's cool. <laughs> Bar um, fight. <laughs> no, it was like, I'm, I'm pulling up at the end of college, and it's like I got two quarters left. Um, I'm kind of frustrated at how my school's doing shit because they're charged they're making us come out of pocket for a lot of shit we're getting grades for and i just didn't have it like that so i'm not about to sit and bust my ass and go get all these materials i was supposed to shoot a short film to graduate like it was a part of my production class and that that stress started getting into me like i ain't gonna be in class and not show up with my work and i started feeling like um i had a class that night and I was just going through it. I wanted to tell my mom. I was like, damn, I want to drop out. Like, I need a break. I need a fucking break. And I kept saying, I need a break. I need a break. I need a break. And then fast forward, this is why I'm really careful with my words. Like, I don't say shit that I don't mean. I don't, I'm never really mean to people unless I mean that shit. Like, I'm not saying it. Because I kept saying, I need a break. I need a break. I need a break. So right before my, like, 7 p.m. class, I skateboard to the store. Um, I had taken, like... A fucking half of an Adderall to type this paper all night, so I hadn't eaten. So now I'm hungry. 
So I skate to the store, and I see all these kids at the end of the block skating. <clears throat> now another project I got is doing a skateboard documentary about like how the clothes is happening now. This is like oh four oh five, like how skateboard clothes are turning into real clothes now. Like yeah. kids are doing that shit. Yeah, like, yeah. So I was early with this project. So I see all these kids skating at the end of the block, and I'm not like a skater, but I ain't bad on a board. Like I know what I'm doing. I'm not hitting jumps and shit. But right. as far as a traveling utensil, like I can fucking <laughs> I make it work. So. Uh, these kids are hitting this There's like these steps up to a statue In Logan Square in Chicago And uh, these kids are just riding it down They're not doing tricks It just looks like you're just riding it down Dipping it in Now in my head That's not stupid Like who wouldn't want a fucking nice little speed down Like it's like taking a sled I'm not doing nothing I wouldn't, I wouldn't like suggest my children not to do or some shit But I do it You know no fear Land it perfectly But my skateboard hits a crack in the sidewalk oh. and I put my foot down to kind of catch myself. It gets stuck and the skateboard keeps going. So at the skateboard speed, my foot stuck, snaps it all the way the fuck off. I actually have somebody that had it on video. So I look at it and I'm like, damn, I had to snap my, I had to snap my ankle back in place. Oh my God. That day I'm laying on my back and shit I gotta go to class in like three hours Oh my god And I just took my foot and jammed it back in place And it was pretty fucked up com Compared to what the doctor said Cause I broke it I had to break it again to go back to where it belonged oh my god. So I did two breaks in the matter of three minutes You needed a break so, so I'm sitting there and I'm like You know I take pain really well And when shit It's, it's crazy When shit gets fucked up for me It's like the first thing I think is Alright man breathe like, nothing else is going to happen unless you fucking calm down. Like, that's something I've always believed since I was a kid. If I panic, 10 times out of 10, I won't make the decision I would have made if I just would have chilled for a second. Mm. So, anytime, I'm just like, okay, look down at my foot. I'm like, dog, this shit fucking hurts. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't make, I can't mentally make this go away. So, I can't walk. There's nobody with a car. My homeboy puts me on my skateboard, and he's just kicking me down the street. Just like he had to push, we had to push like me a, back, like about the same distance from the studio yeah. to your house. I had to ride on a skateboard like this, being pushed, keeping your like, your foot elevated. Yeah, and then because I'm just like, nah, I can't go to the hospital. I want to go to the hospital. I go back to my apartment and put frozen peas on my shit. Just being a child, just being like, oh, you know, I don't. What am I gonna do about it? I don't want to go to the hospital because. Last time I took an ambulance, that shit was so expensive on my insurance yeah. that I was like, dog, I'd rather fucking have them come get me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, fucking ambulance. So, uh, I sit there, and then some responsible friends of mine came over, <laughs> and they're like, bro, you know, like, I know you're trying to not be a wuss, because you're not a wuss. We're not worried about that, but you should probably take your ass to the hospital. Oh, my God. Took my ass to the hospital, like, the next morning. I definitely didn't go that day, though. You were able to sleep that night. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do you need a broken? I mean, what do you need like a normal foot for yeah. when you're sleeping? Um, yeah, because it didn't. It now that I was back in place, it was still broken. All I had to do was hop around. So <laughs> once um, uh, a roommate of mine gave me some Motrin and shit. Uh, I don't take. I don't really take them. Oh, actually, actually. By the way, you can't say you don't take that many pills. You've you've spoken about three already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. <laughs> that Adderall was half a pill. <laughs> the pill, the pill stories are coming up next. Let's let's, let's get there. Um, so after the 
The hospital trip was where the de- that was the most detrimental part of it. So I went to the doctors. That's when they told me I was going to have that surgery. And it was going to be deeper than a cast. So this day, uh, when I see the doctor, he's wrapping the cast. And he's like, listen, do you want me to put you to sleep before I do this? And I'm thinking to myself, like, put me to sleep for fucking what? You just, you know what I mean? My ankle's broken, but I'm not like terminally got a tumor somewhere and you got to put me to sleep to get it out like what the fuck is going on he's like okay i'm like (laughs) usually when you hear that okay you're like well i could have fucked up so he's wrapping the cast material and dude like till this day that i've never felt i've never felt worse pain in my life than him breaking my ankle back into place while the cast is drying. I can't do shit about it, and I didn't take any anesthesia. Oh, my God. So I, I raw-dogged the worst thing you could ever raw-dog in the doctor's office. And just it, to be clear, yeah. the doctor did ask you. <laughs> Definitely asked me. It's kind of like when a girl says, you should put a condom on. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm clean. <laughs> That's pretty much what I did to my ankle. And then uh, they gave me about... Two weeks uh, to live. <laughs> no, they gave me a prescription of some motion, like 3.0s. And honestly, dude, that's, you know, if we want to get into the music, that night I like made like 16 beats. Because <laughs> I was like, well, you don't got shit else to do. And I always I had this like, it was like a buildup because I would go to school and I would have schoolwork to do, but all I wanted to fucking do was make beats. All I wanted to do was make beats. Yeah. I have this ill ass version of OCD where things have to stack and be in shape where I won't feel right. Like I've left hotels knowing that my toothpaste, my toothbrushes weren't like in the thing like the way they were supposed to be, and ran back upstairs because it would have fucked with me. Wow. It's like I have to leave my place how I want it when I come back to it. When I, I want it to be how I want it when I come back to it because I don't know what kind of day I'm going to have. And that's the only thing I control. I, oh, I obsess over things I can control. Right. Shit what are I you doing in our apartment? <laughs> no, this is tight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just making sure like, no, you cause, know. Yo, I, yeah, it's crazy because <laughs> I look at this right here yep. and it's directly in the middle. Yeah, right. And I've been to people's houses where it's just like, fam, all you had to fucking do was measure. <laughs> Why would you want to put this up if it was wrong? Right. And like that type of shit bothers me about people when you know you just didn't have it in the right place and instead of correcting it, you just want to stick with your decision because you did it. It's like, no. And it's- so you didn't fix your foot. <laughs> no, I fixed it. I fixed it. I broke it back in place. Yeah. It was too fucking, you know, it was not It was not symmetrical to my leg. Right, so I had right. to put things in order. Um. Did that make you like um uh what's the, what's the uh the word weird? No, when you, oh. <laughs> when you when you pare down all your belongings um and oh, sort of like yeah. simplify your life instead of like whatever the opposite of like hoarding is. Yeah, I'm I'm the opposite of it. Yeah, like, I used to like collect shoes. I don't. I wear them until they're done, and I just you know I pass them on to someone else. Yeah, it's giving me That's like so little B of you. Yeah, it's just it's extreme. Like I gave this. I remember when I was done while everybody was holding on to the Yeezys when he first did the Nike ones. I wore the shit out of mine, and when I was done with them, and it just didn't go in anymore. My fits, and I didn't want to clean them <laughs> off. This kid that uh, Tanil was teaching, like she was teaching all these kids. I made like my sister, and uh, one of her kids. Was like I'll buy them off of them. I, I gave them a really good price. I sold two Yeezys for two hundred fifty bucks. Wow, that's awesome. It was just like when I'm over shit, I'm over it. It's not <laughs> about like using things just to use them. It's just like shit 
changes. I don't want to be in a house full of clothes that I don't even wear all the time. Right. Now I've just transferred to Adidas pants. All I wear is Adidas pants. These shits are... I never wore them. Right. These shits are the greatest thing in the world. It's like you can just walk everywhere, you know? And they're not like everybody else's track pants. Like Adidas pants have another level of like look. Like girls wear Adidas pants when they go to clubs with heels and shit. Right. I just right. want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Adidas, Adidas Sweatpants. <laughs> shout out to John Wexler. Yeah. Yo, shoot, us shoot, me your, yeah. <laughs> shoot, shoot me a box. Shoot me a box. But sweatpants. yeah, it's like uh, like I was telling y'all, just growing up is is ill. Like not ill bad. It's really dope to kind of be conscious of the changes that go on in yourself. Like there's times where I'm sitting, I'll sit at a, you know, my favorite thing to do is hit a happy hour, have a beer, watch PTI by myself. Yeah. Like, I love that shit. You really are getting older. <laughs> yeah, but I, it's like things I always liked doing, but I was trying to be, you know, like, do young shit. You know, when you're chasing young girls, you're going to do young shit. Like, I've been with this same, I've been with my girl for four years. Like, we do a lot. We do everything. We do the same thing everywhere. You right, know what I mean? Right, right. So. Well, except get, for going to the bar and watching PTI, she can stay home. Well, she's at work at that time. <laughs> she's she works during happy hour. We used to do happy hours all the time, but especially what I mean like the happy hours is mean when I'm touring. When yeah, I'm touring, yeah, yeah. I will float off, and I'll find me a good spot with a good tap. Yep, get a cold <laughs> beer and watch. Whatever. Now that football season starts, it's like this is this is the good time. This is that real good time. And then basketball starts early this year. I think basketball starts like October thirteenth. Which is crazy, dog. You never, you couldn't get an NBA game till after Halloween. Right. Now we get it early. Yeah. So those things make me, you know, like I know, I know how to have peace on earth. I'm, I'm pretty good. At, I'm pretty good at it. You yeah. know, it's like I can't be bothered because there's simple shit that I enjoy so much that I, I don't need money to, I mean, I need money for a beer, but I don't need much, <laughs> you know? And those things play into like, the more simplify I simplify my day, the more crazier my thoughts get about making music. Like I start making, the more my day goes the way I want it. When I get, I sit down and I start thinking like the rhythm roulette shit. I started scrubbing samples. It's this thing that no ID taught Don Cannon taught me. Everybody does it their own way. That's why I like 444, the Jay Z album. Mm -hmm. You hear a ton of scrubbing. It's like where the sample creeps in and then. It's not really there. It, <laughs> it kind of comes out, and you'll hear a word over here, and everything's just kind of in time. It's a really way. It's a real ill way to, you know. It's a really ill way to sample, but it's hard to explain. Mm -hmm. So, I, I did that for a day one day. I just like scrubbing. Scrubbed, I was just scrubbing stems, like just taking shit, making folders, taking shit, making folders, and I woke up one day like, yeah, that's pretty boring. You probably could have <laughs> did something else. By the time I was done with that, I felt, you know, so good and I felt like I was putting out, you know, some pretty good energy and I got a call like earlier, like later in that day. I was like, hey, man, uh, uh, you busy? I'm like, nah. He's like, you want to make five grand? I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, when things like that, when, when when I do things like that, I feel like this is what, that's what happens. When I'm that you're shifting about, the energy. Yeah. So when I start worrying about shit and not taking care of things that would end up. Like, scrubbing samples isn't something I had to do, but me and Mikey are already, like, trying to get to the next album on what's it going to sound like, so mm -hmm. instead of waiting to the last minute, now it's time to work on the album, I've already built, like, all that experimentations I want to do so I can figure out what sound I want. Was Mikey the guy who called you and said, do you want to make five grand? <laughs> no. It was, um, it was like, uh, it was like a, it was like a DJ situation. So it was like, I don't think I would have been home or I would, probably would have did something else because I had to get there in the next 20 minutes. 
like 20 to 30 minutes. Damn. Like, sorry, their DJ left. Do you want to DJ? Like, I'll send you half of PayPal payment. Like, Was this in me. LA? Yeah. And you had to make it somewhere in 30 minutes? I did it. How? Because <laughs> I live in Silver Lake now. Oh, and when so I didn't, hip. I live, I live, I live closer to downtown than I don't. So most of the shit that you have to do, is kind of like downtown's the heartbeat. You get too far outside of downtown, traffic starts really, really, really holding you back. Yeah. And then, um, nobody DJs anything in the valley. There's really no, you know, what I'm saying. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. staying close to shit that you know is easy to get to. Like I could walk pretty much. I could walk and get a lot of shit done in my area. You're like See, a, we walk in LA too, but yeah. we're like the only ones who walk. Yeah. Everybody else is Hasidic Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that 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 walking bus, public transportation, LA. That shit is so. It's pretentious. People will be like, I don't take the bus. It's like, damn, fam. They're like, bums take the bus. And then you look and you see who's taking the bus and you're like, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, let's get to let's get to the, the, the second phase, um, which is Chicago. And when did you know it was right to leave college? Um, when I registered to go back for my, <laughs> my next quarter and they, they didn't uh, they, I didn't fuck up and they didn't register me so they were telling me like well you don't have to pay this quarter you're not dropped out just you have to just start back up next quarter so I was like ooh <laughs> this is what you guys are trying to do you're trying to give me you're trying to give me a way out fuck it so when I come back to school after my um, ankles healed and all of that and the that that quarter like from January to like March that section of school is when everything happened that's when I go down to South by that's when I go to winter music conference that's when everything kind of happened so um once I came back from that when school was about to start I was just like <laughs> what hell hell no and then MIA called and wanted us to open for her. so the only person that kind of cared if I went back to school and I was my grandmother and then I've never been ashamed to admit to my grandmother what's really gonna happen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want the best out. You know what I mean? I want the best for myself. I know she does, but your life is your life sometimes. So they weren't happy. But fast forward two years later, when I'm on Jimmy Kimmel, <laughs> it doesn't. It didn't matter. Right. Okay. There's a lot of stuff there. You've already covered in other interviews, like how you met Mikey, mm. and you've already covered like um, how. You had done a single deal, I think, with uh, either Diplo or, or A-Track. Yeah. And so, like, you know, when you start getting all these phone calls, like, what's going through your head? The honest-to-God truth is it was a slight bit of fear. Um, only because I don't think I was... I think I was over my ankle shit yet. Um, there's still a lot of chemicals you have to push out of your body when you're taking that many pills and it makes you really emotional and people try to act like that shit's not real but I didn't develop a, an addiction but you can kind of feel your body and you wanting to you know that shit's heavy shit regardless if you don't have an ankle break or not like it's still heavy mm -hmm. you know and I was always I've always been honest with my emotions about things just so that this could happen the right way like I don't want to be out here wilding or not the person people think that I am. Like, I'm more Chug English than you thought. You know what I mean? Like, if you yeah. thought I was cool, I'm cool. You know what I mean? I'm not hiding nothing. I'm not nothing that I'm not. But that fear of, am I being something I'm not? Is this who I really am? Like, I had that shit in front. 
And there was times where I'd be like, I really attribute that what happened to the cool kids to me being like, yo, this is happening too fast. Let, let me take the second package. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like talking to God, like, hey, bro, if you got a, if you got a later flight, like, let me get on that later flight. Yeah. And right now it's like we're the later flight. You get what I'm saying? Like I, I rather, I rather do it the time that makes sense for me than do it just because it's it's working. And I, I really believe in my skills enough and what I do that, you know, I'm gonna push shit forward and I'm gonna be one of the best all the time. So at, no matter what time I do it, it's gonna work. So yeah, when we first started. You know, my man, he was 17 at the time. I'm 21. We go from thinking this shit is cool to, okay, it's cool, but there's now public perception with it. Now it's, oh, the cool kids is this, the cool kids is that. And we didn't adjust to all of that ridicule that we had um, in the beginning as we did pretty well, but that shit took time. You know what I'm saying? Figuring out how to differentiate online comments from what people really feel for you like now i'm completely numb y'all you ain't nobody ever seen me talk nobody down on twitter or none of that shit i don't give a fuck i'll just block you <laughs> it's easy as shit it's the easiest thing in the world yeah. like if i don't want to hear you, you felt like you were getting a lot of hate because no it wasn't hate it was just like uncomfortable criticism that i'm not critiqued that much i ain't nobody you know what i'm saying besides sports i didn't have anybody looking into my life telling me like because we dress a certain way that ain't real hip hop or, you know, listening to the beat, knock, nodding your head, hearing who it was and then making an ugly face. Cause you like, oh, them niggas, the cool, like them internet niggas, like that shit was really dismissive to me. Cause it's like, yo fam, first and foremost, what I'm doing right now is fire as fuck. Now I'll knock you out. Cause that's my first, my first inclination is who the fuck are you talking to? Yeah. Cause I go from real cool to not real cool real fast. Cause not real I gotta, cool kids. Mm-hmm. yeah, I gotta, I gotta protect myself. I like walking places by myself. I don't like being around people. I probably will never have security, no matter how big this shit gets. Like I can't do it. I dare you to run up on me though. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like that's my first, you know, that's my first reaction. So I had to do a lot to put, like, all right, man, you know when you're in danger and you know when you're not. If somebody's talking to you crazy, are they crazy? Because if you argue with a crazy person, your ass is crazy, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm just being specific about, you know, like the the where my mind was going here. Now, <clears throat> I've never been more ready for this shit. And I feel like I, I was smart about it and didn't jump off the fucking. I didn't jump when I when I when I could have jumped the first time. I waited till I knew what I was doing. Is Mikey in the same like sort of headspace where or is he like, yeah, we're learning. Yes. Yeah, you know I mean, but like, um. When when he's seventeen, you're twenty one, right? Um, Eric and I, you know, we, I'll say this: like, you know, working in a duo, a lot of times it's like opposites attract. Um, and so Eric and I, Eric is very much like go 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 go. I'm the one that that worries more. Um, what's your guys' dynamic? Yeah, uh, I I walk a thin line of both. We both are. Mikey likes to know. He, you know, it's not a knock to him. He likes to know. You know what I'm saying? He's not into. Or is this possibly gonna happen? You know what I'm saying? And I don't blame him for that shit. Mm-hmm. I have this fearlessness that comes from slight bit of craziness. You know what I mean? Like my reasoning a lot of time is, are we gonna die? Then fuck it. You know what I mean? Like if we ain't gonna die or go to jail, then let's do it. Or break your ankle. 
Yeah, <laughs> but that's in the die or go to jail pile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> breaking shit goes in the die pile. It's like die, It's like death light. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you want a little bit of death? Yeah, break something. So, yeah, anything detrimental is it? You know, it stays over there. If we could go home after, let's try it. Because I look at it like, man, everybody's on this planet, and don't take one breath being like, dude, we're on a planet. Like, is this really what you want to do every day? Like. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't even take uh, a, a second to realize, like, yo, there's water falling on your head from the sky right now. Well, B.O.B. would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get there with it. I mean, this is the thing about that, though, if we can talk. Cause yeah. yeah. That's uh, it's something a, a little off about our culture for someone to pose a question that nobody else can prove but everybody dismiss him. Because this is the thing. B.O.B. might not be right. But you can't prove him wrong. Yes, you can. <laughs> no, he, where? Look at. I'm just saying. I'm. Not, I don't know where the fuck we are. I'm not the guy that says I know this is a circle. I don't feel like it's a circle. So how the fuck are you gonna tell me that I'm on something that on every other physical plane of shit this doesn't work? No, Chuck. We're not putting out misinformation <laughs> on this podcast. This is not misinformation. I'm saying a person like, can go into space and see that the Earth is a circle. Who's been? T who's seen it? <laughs> what have you no, talking no, about, Chuck? Bro? We are not going down this road. <laughs> Listen. All I know is this. I'm not saying nothing, but I have uh friends that do like they do photoshops and composite pictures everyone even nasa says it i can show you the art, like where it says all their pictures are composites mm -hmm. which means not real so once that's there once that's there it's like it leaves it open for discussion like if you thought that god created earth so you could figure it the fuck out you got it wrong no one's figured it out nobody knows what god looks like and what everything you know i mean like everything is up for debate so just enjoy it that's my thing it's like you can have questions but people should have healthy debates like just don't shut someone off because you really just don't believe it people like use their faith like a fucking credit card like so what would you believe like if this man has a point let's fucking hear him this really explains a lot about your broken ankle and not going to the, <laughs> the doctor <laughs> wait so in between flight number one and the later flight yeah did you know who you were Without Mikey by your side, yeah, because I, I mean, personally, yeah, it wasn't. I didn't have a career identity at all. I didn't know who the fuck I wanted. To. I knew who Evan is. I know who like my mother's and father's child is. Like my brother's brother. Like I know who that guy is. But who I wanted? Did I want to fuse them together, or did I want to make something that was totally opposite of myself? And I said, no, nah, I'm just gonna be. Like the Chuck is my grandfather's name, my grandfather's grandfather's and grand other grandfather's name. Really, and then my grandfather didn't believe in juniors, and my dad don't believe in juniors, and I don't believe in juniors. I don't and believe. So that's in, how you end up as Evan. Yeah. Well, kind of. My my name's my dad's middle name. Okay. So it's like his share a little bit, but we just they didn't believe in juniors. Like they don't want to give your full name to someone when they can start their own. Like, if you want to have a family and make all your sons juniors, then more power to you. But I'm glad my dad gave me his own, my own identity. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, Instead like, of being I'm like not George little him. I'm not little junior. hims. Yeah, because yeah, when you're a yeah. junior, you're, 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 the ha you're the other version of your dad. You're not, like, the senior. Right. I don't want I don't want my kids' no, not uh, ability to be a senior. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to do that, do that. But I want to give you your own name. You can create your own world out of that. And what was what was your sort of journey? What was your exploration like? Uh, it was tumultuous as fuck, man. It wasn't like 2011. 
well, let's just say like late 2010 to now, it was just 20s in life, and taking shit on the chin, like hella friends dying that were really close to me, my fucking favorite family member dying, um, going through like having a you know money whenever I needed to do something to actually probably not even seeing money for three months one time. But still having to show face, not letting people know like I'm hurting because I ain't hurting. It just sucks. Sucks and hurting is two different things. You know what I'm saying? Like sucks will be over soon. Hurting is like an, an undisclosed amount of time that you have no clue about. So I just, I would say that I use my time to kind of figure out how to take shit on the chin. Like and this right. whole time you're an artist and that's what you yeah, want to do. And I'm still making shit. Like this is like during my solo record, during both solo records. During the instrumental records Like I never stopped creating stuff Like I don't create emotionally So it's not about It's like it's a it's a, a routine I'm like a creature of a habit And I don't make beats when I'm emotional Like I don't make shit when I'm sad To make you know what I mean <clears throat> Sometimes I'll make Like some really crazy Trippy uh, down tempo Toro and moi stuff when I'm Fucking sad you know what I mean Just so I could go to sleep <laughs> So I got like beat tapes of stuff I made where it's like, you know, I've had a breakup or, you know, like my chemical imbalance is off or I'm super hungover and nothing's going well. And I'll really force myself and make like some down tempo, trippy jazz beats to go to sleep to. And once I started realizing those signs, it's like, all right, every time something's fucked up, you figure out a way to balance it with something you only want to do you know what i mean like i don't get other people opportunity to fuck my shit up for me not saying that that's what they do but a lot of people will be going through things and they could have got it out on their own without you don't need to talk to everybody about everything Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like there are some people that don't know how to speak but it's like you got to practice that and they always there's all this like dialogue like you know make sure you say something to somebody but it's like, dog, who the fuck are they? And what do they know? And they might have the worst uh, advice. That, you know, that girl that's doing all that time because she had a boyfriend and she convinced him to fucking kill himself. Right. Yeah. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, are you going to tell me that somebody else has better advice for me than me? I don't want to live that. I want people to have good advice, but I want my brain to tell me the best thing to do. So, And by I, the way, I bet everybody was telling you what to do, right? <laughs> fucking, yeah. Did you guys have a manager? Yeah. And... Um, I mean, we all are cool with everybody that we've done stuff with except for the label. You know, it's just always time to... It's like coaches of teams. Like, when managers or people, like, hold on to managers, like, you know, it's your child. It's like, if something's not working and you guys part ways and somebody feels real personally about it, they probably shouldn't have been doing the fucking job in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Like... You, you're you just gonna get fired bro You'll get another job You'll be cool And keep it a buck Before I beat your ass Like I said Being able to talk to yourself To know how to talk to other people So now Where me and Mikey are at We want something Like subconsciously We always check with each other first You know what I mean Like if we're gonna do something We're very On top of keeping each other Updated with what's going on Ain't no surprises Cause I wouldn't want it done to me And I wouldn't want somebody That didn't know me Doing it to him So it's like us protecting each other through that. That that comes from not being around each other for a while. And then mm. you get back to working and you're like, okay, I missed this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, we understand each other. This is yeah. 
Cause I he ain't gonna throw nothing at me. I ain't gonna throw nothing at him. It ain't gonna be like an interview showing up to the hotel at like ten a.m. Hey fam, uh, we got this interview. I, my bad, I ain't tell you. Like dog, <laughs> well you don't have to go through that. And like you said, flight to flight. That's that's the story that. That's the story I got out of it. Is if you're gonna go through the fire, it's like learn how to do it and learn something from it. So it's not that bad of a situation post. It's just it was tough. And now, like, it was tough because I had to get to this point, and now things feel real, real extra comfy everywhere I go because I put the work in, and I didn't like, I didn't see it like that when I was doing it. I knew that this is all I have to do. All I have to do is make it to tomorrow, and then make it to the next day, and then make beats that goes on this album so this can go out. No matter if nobody's listening or checking me out, or I'm not, I'm not the hottest out at the moment. I will be. And then when you check back to the shit I was doing when I wasn't, you're going to be like, what, bro? Like, this dude was in an apartment by himself in Santa Monica and put out a song, put out an album with a Chromio, like, put out an album with a Chromio single. Yeah. And that was the first time they ever did a song. And I just called him like, yo, you guys want to do this song with me? I sent them, like, the first version. They liked my first version and then the super polished one that came <laughs> out. And I did that trying to, like, establish with myself, hey, man, there's nothing you can't do. Like if you want to make something sound like that, and I swear to you, before fan or before uh, the Daft Punk, that new like down tempo funk that I've been doing, before like any of that came out, Legs was there. Yeah. So it was like being too early again. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, isn't that super? Fr- cause, like, I, it's frustrating for us, like being early on stuff, and you, to a larger degree, you guys were like way ahead of the curve on everything. Yeah. And I don't so like. like it. You don't like it. I mean, I'm going to be there, but it's like packaging and selling it early is not. It's not the move for me anymore. It's just like, what's the point? And you could try to get away from it, but when that's your personality, man, it's really you. And like, I remember this story uh, when Fetty Wap came out. Mm-hmm. Like you can ask A-Track When Fetty Wap came out My man had like 4,000 views on YouTube I stumbled on this shit on YouTube Not even on uh, Not even on Worldstar And I saw that shit And I was like Yo did this motherfucker Get his eye shot out And sing the most beautiful Pop song of all time Yeah And it was like At that moment I send that to You know this is just an example I'm like yo Y'all gotta check this shit I was banging this shit For a week before I sent it out to anyone And then he goes crazy over it. He sends it to Dave. And it was like one festival I'm at where Chromio's DJing. Next thing you know, it's Trap Queen. And then it just starts. And then my girl was like, wasn't that the song you was listening to in the house like a whole year ago? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's the one thing I'm good at is like knowing when music is going to do something to people. Mm-hmm. Like not knowing if it's going to be a hit, but when it's going to have an effect on people, like I'm, I'm there with it. Like the Bobby Schmurder shit. I, yeah. As soon as Fam threw his hat in the air, I was like, "There you go." Because <laughs> anything people can attach stuff with now, everybody wants an emotion. Like mm-hmm. as turned on as as turned off as they are to to the music they want. When there's a song that's really good, everybody's going to uh, gravitate towards it now more than ever because you've been missing it. Yeah. Like I was listening to the Cardi B joint, and I was like, "You know why people are fucking with this song? Because she's not." just saying dumb shit like she's really getting her like attitude off like i'm here now right like this is what i want to do like every time i see her rap it's like yo i could feel like she fucking loves that shit 
that's know exactly what I mean? right. And, and that's, that's the bottom line. It's like when the artist loves it and it comes off, like people are going to be like, hell yeah, we can sing that together. Yeah, it, exactly right. It's that emotion and charisma and that feeling. Yeah, it's a unity. Yo, it's a lot of songs are like silent uni- unifiers. Yeah. You know, like you can have a song on and not even know the people at the table and y'all are doing the lyrics together. You know, like to me, that's like the greatest thing in the world and and i like i like engineering that i love engineering that that's why i love djing so much like when i start djing i look at crowds like i guarantee you i'll have these girls dancing over and i always do and people that come to see my sets i'll play the wildest <laughs> shit you never thought you could play in a club at like 1 30 and it works yeah fetty wop into bobby Schmurda into <laughs> cardi b yep yeah. that's <laughs> but that's like uh that's no no that's the new york that's the new york hit right. yeah, 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 yeah yeah exactly that's, each summer, summer. that's the past that's, that's the right. past three summers that's right. hey guys we just want to take one second to interrupt the podcast a lot of people come up to us and they're like hey how can i support it's the real one easy way to do that is to go stream our album teddy bear fresh on all the streaming platforms it's a great album that we put out in late may and it features us rapping alongside bun b smoke dizza currency angie martinez tunji ige jazz cartier and many more it's a dope album produced by greg mayo it's something that you guys can listen to enjoy and listen to again it's called teddy bear fresh look up it's the real on all your streaming platforms sugar high featuring currency and smoke dizza over 300,000 plays on spotify hey metaphor featuring tunji ige is over 200,000. shouts to everyone who's pressing play shout to everyone spreading the word and now Back to the podcast. You know who else like thinks that exact same way is Khaled. At some point, Khaled had an interview and he was like, you know what it is? It's the emotion out of all of it. And people want to feel that success and people want to like feel empowered. And that's what I want to give to them. And it's like, yeah, I understand and, and, that. And people can say whatever they want about fan, but he's a fucking genius at that. For he's sure. Genius it's really at a sod, to be honest. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely the child. Um, <laughs> before we get to the, the third sort of chapter of all this, uh, what does Chicago as a city mean to you? It's like my stepmother. It's like, I got a real mother and then I have like, a stepmother and I love them both. You know what I mean? Like I went to go stay with like my father and met my stepmother in Chicago. You know, at like seventeen, and you know, learned a lot from another side of a parent. Like Detroit is like a parent. Chicago is very familiar to that. Like there's a lot of similarities between the people. Um, geographically, how he dressed, how he eat. Is a little different. What we listen to is a little different, but the people are the same. Do you so, understand the importance that that you and Mikey have to Chicago, especially? I think know? I'll never really get to know what I'm doing this lifetime, man. I'm just gonna keep doing it, and as long as I'm making myself happy, I really don't know what I'm doing. Like I really don't. I can say that and try to be cool and artsy, but I, I've tried to figure out and try to gauge like who am I to people? What do people see me as? And that was, that's that's a fucking rat race. I'm not really willing to put myself through. Can you see the the work that you've put in production wise now through a lot of producers? Yeah, especially from like Atlanta. I do see that, but I think it was just like a silent influence. Like they know. What they're do- like, I explain it like this: like it's like you can see the light, but you can't see where it's coming from. So when you see a spotlight in the sky, that's how I feel my music is. Mm-hmm. But no one knows where the spotlight's coming from. So it's like, oh, well, we're all making lights in the sky now. 
So it's not like attributed to one person. I just was here first, and I I figured out ways to bend people to listen to what I was doing. Because when I, we first came out, beats weren't sounding like that. Nope, they were no. they were completely different. They all had the ti do whatever you like uh, ringtone. Everything was ringtone to fuck up. Mm-hmm. And I took drums. I just said fuck it. Like I haven't heard drums. Look, that's what hip hop was to me. Like. Everybody had albums and it was drum machines and that was killing the block. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's what you were hearing on the block. Like, what was that? Or you hear that little bass coming through your floor. That was, those were drums. Yeah. So to me, that was the most important part of it. And I wasn't going to rap. And what was I going to rap over? I'm going to rap over drums. And it was like, just how you guys, and I respect how you guys are hip hop historians and you really like know your shit. I know my shit. Like really well And I have like A photographic memory So I remember back To like I can remember The way The tapes The plastic on the tape Smells off my Bone dug and Harmony tape Like I was so happy To get it Like there was like A different fucking scent That came off The cassette packaging (laughs) Like when I had it Like I remember Like all the details Of all that Cause that Same way people Get excited about Comic books Get like excited About superhero shit Rap Tapes and vinyls Were my that shit was my toys. Those were my toys. That's what I like played. I would get in trouble for taking stuff out of records and not putting them back. But I'm building like I'm building like a house or something out of all of these things and reading these words and putting these people next to these people. I used to want to put like uh, audio two and showbiz and AG together. I wanted to, them to sit on the same stoop and shit. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like stuff yeah. like that. And then through that, you just get so. You grow so many tight knit emotions to things that can't disappoint you. Like, I was listening when I was in Good Records today. The dude was playing Volume Three, which is completely underrated right now. Yeah, like, for Volume sure. Three is like, damn, he really snapped. But dude was in the store playing it with the pitch on all the way down, so now you can hear like in his J with a deeper voice. Right. And you're like, what? <laughs> you can do that shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what? I forgot what listening to music on a record player was like. I get so much excitement from just being around this all the time, going into a record store today, digging, finding new things that I, I've always loved. But, you know, you go through point, points and pockets where it excites you and then it doesn't. And it mm-hmm. excites you and then it doesn't. And as long as you know how to, like, play that well. Yeah. You know, I would never be in a record store every day. There's people like, yeah, I dig every day. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) There's days where there ain't shit in there, dog. It's like going thrifting every day. Yeah, right. I thrift. I'm good at it. But when there ain't shit there, man, that's... There's nothing more frustrating. Before we go on to, like, the the new, new stuff, I've been on record about this um, since, like... 2009. I I mean... 2009. Yeah. yeah. Whenever we saw you at Purchase College. Okay. And you guys performed in the same bill as Drake. Yeah. And I was like, there was a question of who's going to be bigger. Cool Kids or Drake? And I said, Cool Kids are going to be bigger. I was incorrect. But <laughs> but the sa- your sound is bigger than yeah, just Drake, I see, think. See, that's the point in time I took the other flight. like and, and like seeing Drake's journey happen around the same time as mine, knowing him like the same way I knew like other friends from different places. And oh, this, that's my man that I you know, kick it with when I'm in uh, Toronto and shit. Like we got the same friends. Word. And then I saw his shit rise, and there was a lot of inconsistencies in way, the way I wanted to see life that I didn't think he was aware of. Like, we were together for something in Texas when he first was blowing up, and the attention he was getting was really fucking 
it, it was like it was like I was irritated and it wasn't me. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And I was like, oh shit, do I do we want this right now? Mm. You know what I mean? You got to be ready for it. Right. Drake was ready for it right then. He, you know what I mean? Like he was ready for that shit. Mm-hmm. Like fucking bring it on, dog. Yeah. Oh I, no! By the way, that was that was so clear. Yeah, <laughs> that was the most clear. So it's like, you know, I got to watch, you know, like him or and Cuddy too. Like you know, I watched completely everything happen with with, with Cuddy from the start, from having the same friends, to us sending each other songs back and forth uh, on MySpace, like through email, to when his first rise happened. I remember when. It was like a cool, like that when he first really got shit together, and we was in a studio, and Fan bought like six pizzas, and I was, he was just real happy, like yeah, dog, like you know all of that other shit is over with, and just seeing it happen for other people around, but like it wasn't one pizza, like it was only four of us in here, <laughs> we ordered six pizzas, though, <laughs> you know, and getting to see like, all right, that was our relationship then. And then, Two months later, fam is out of here. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, how much does he? I'll, I would go through things in my head. Like, how much do them niggas miss going to get pizza by themselves? Mm-hmm. Like, are you really ready for that? Well, like, it's not it? affecting your money. Like, you're you're making a choice to be more famous, not more rich. Because I'm always gonna be wanna be more. Uh, just give me the money. You know yeah. what I'm saying? All the other shit, let me adjust to it. Right. Like, I'll take the money. But well, what the was money like? wasn't being offered. It was like get bigger, sure. work harder. Yeah. The money will come, but then by that time, you don't even get to enjoy your shit. Right. I ain't trying to be so busy and so burnt that by the time the money that I saw myself making, you know, I can't go paddleboarding somewhere and just got a Groupon vacation because I can afford it and it, shit, you know? It's not dissimilar to Dave Chappelle. Yeah. You know? But I feel him. Yeah. And look how he came back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the way he saw it with 10 more million than he gave up. That's right. So that was very symbolic to me. I want to talk about like when that, when that happened. There's a lot of things that resemble 07 to me right now. Like we got a crazy white president. There's another fucking hurricane. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of shit that's matching yeah. back up. Like yeah. Chappelle's, Chappelle's back. All these people that went like ducking and hiding. And I'll say this, this is a complete hot take too. But <laughs> um, me and Lil B when we were on Rock the Bells, I remember before Lil B kind of took shit in the direction. He was like, "Bro, we're gonna have to do something." And I remember him saying that. We eating backstage. He's like six pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> no, we were eating uh, Rock the Bell's uh, food spread. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, we gotta do something. He's like, it just can't be rap. It ain't gonna work. He's like, if we gonna get the kids, we gotta do something. I'm just think I'm like, fam is always deep. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? I see Lil B. He have his shirt off. He looked like it was back when he looked like a complete goon. Right. And he said the most inspiring shit, but that one went over my head. He's like, well, I'm gonna do something. And he was just like, this ain't the time. This ain't the time. Like, it's something like, it, this ain't the time to. And I felt that in a different way. I was like, all this excitement was happening towards the future when Obama was running. And like, we caught that wave up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. when he got there, it was like, it got really fucking dark. You know what I mean? Like, people got dark. People really did not like the fact that we had a black president and kind of turned you you can see that now it's very evident in, in the way our culture is like it basically spewed its ugly head all the shit they were pressing down like oh it's not cool to yeah, say you I hate th- your black president oh fuck I hate him you know what I mean yeah, yeah. now that shit is here but it was there then and I knew it and I was feeling it like well how did you know it 
I just felt it in my stomach just because of people's reaction towards like the deepest shit ever. Black shit is cool when George Bush is president. Obama's president, black shit is not as tight. You know what I mean? Like we can do it too. Mm-hmm. Macklemore beats Kendrick. You know what I'm saying? Like that shit would not happen uh, right he now. He apologized. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love Cal. I love Macklemore, but like he apologized. He shouldn't even have to apologize. They should apologize for setting him up like that. They knew what they were doing. I remember seeing an Entertainment Weekly, uh, raps white hot summer, and it had Azig- Iggy Azalea and Macklemore, like the biggest artists in rap. You know who that subliminally does to motherfuckers? Like, right. damn, fam, it's chopped. Like, we can't even, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we can't sing pop and we can't do rap anymore. Cause, and that's deep like that, you know? And I felt that shit happening where, you know, the cool cool wasn't going to be something people were trying to do. People right. were trying to get big or wear leather jackets with zippers and shit. And, like, that whole, like, dark Kanye fashion, like, nobody had no color to it. And I, I've just always been a forecaster. Like how I knew the cool kids was gonna work when it was white tees and big ass jeans and little Wayne dreads and soldier boy glasses and shit. I knew I was like, oh yeah, we gonna kill them because ain't nobody seen no starter. These kids ain't never seen starter jackets. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they never seen Jordan 45 jerseys. Now that's like commonplace. So when my shit is commonplace and it's not as cool anymore, I gotta go the fuck away because I have nothing to do right now. Yo. Just to take it back to art school for a second, because um, this was my experience. And I, I went to Syracuse, but I was in visual performing arts, right? right? I was wearing Abercrombie and Fitch in college because that's what I wore in high school. And then you're around all these other kids, and they're all wearing what they think is different. Right. But it ends up all looking the same, and I'm suddenly the outsider because I'm wearing what was sort of commonplace. Like, that threw me for such a loop. When it's like... There's the moon when it's night, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's this this contrast to things, and it's like something balances itself out, whether it be bad or good. So, I was like, we have this great thing that everybody wanted, so there's going to be a dark side to it. Right. And I felt like, uh, I felt like culture, like black culture was going to take a fucking backseat to having a black president, and it did. Because as soon as he got out of office, all these albums are coming out. You got Get Out, Insecure, like all these things that we didn't have from 08 till pretty much 2016. And the pendulum swings. Yeah, but it's fucked up that that's the pattern, but that's how I saw it. And, you know, I, my whole goal with the cool kids was I, I went to high school with white kids. I went to high school with everybody. And I had a vision where, you know, Things that black kids do have to be cooler than than just what we're known for doing. And it was really important to me to make sure, like, the boldness that I have, where I would tell, because I, I talk proper, so it would be like white kids being like, oh, you sound like a white boy. Now your teeth is out your mouth. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Don't disrespect me like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to diminish me because I, oh, I'm not, oh, you can't dunk it. And, and you're not talking like a fucking rapper. You must be a white boy. Like, don't do that to me. Right. So I've always felt, you know, what certain black kids that do different shit feel. Like, I've been that. Yeah. So, like, when Pharrell came out, I was like, okay, one foot in the door. Pharrell had his own version of it. And in my head, I'm like, I'm going to do mine. I'm not taking nothing away from him. I learned everything from him. You know what I mean? But my version is like, it's deeper because... 
he he created his out of thin air. Like it wasn't like, damn, you know what I'm saying? What are we fighting for? Let me create something that is a flag for all the kids that want to go to school and wear what the fuck they want to wear. Not have to worry about somebody being like, hey, what is those? You know what I'm saying? Like, wear your shit how you want to wear it. Yeah. Go to the thrift store, grab something fresh. It'll cost you $45. You know what I mean? Like, yep. learn how to dress yourself with shit that's around you. And, like, all of those factors came into, like, how do we want to represent ourselves? And it's just like, when you see me, you're going to be like, damn. Every, I want every kid to be like, I want to dress like Chuck. Don't care about me being black or whatever. Just dressing like Chuck don't make you black right. or white right. or Asian. Like, right. you can just dress like me. So... The third part of your journey is California. Yeah. Let's just talk about like people you've you've worked with. Um, talk about Bun B. Bun B. It's just a ama- man. He's an amazing human being, and I think like being a fan of his rap for so long, but seeing how many different levels to his personality he has, man. Like you talk to Bun B. And you'll be in a uh, conversation for an hour and be like, damn, fam, you rapped. Like, <laughs> that's what you did? Are you sure? <laughs> or did the motherfucker that looked like you rap? <laughs> you know, like, there's a lot of... You talk to him for 35 minutes. I remember one time he picked me up from some barbecue spot I was eating and we go to get a bar- we go get a haircut. He just takes me out through Houston and his part of Houston. And it's like, I always like that. I always like going to the parts in the neighborhoods where the culture is. I wouldn't call them the hoods. People like to call them the hood. It's just where the shit is. It's where the food's at. It's where the shoes is at. It's where you can get a blunt smoking on the street. Ain't nobody gonna fucking talk to you about it. Like, it felt cool to be in, like, the deep part of bed style like, last week and just smoking a blunt. Not worried about if a lady's gonna walk by with her dogs and her kids and, yeah. like, just being in the epicenter, basically, where shit is going down at. So... You know, seeing how he is as a person, and it matches up to his music because it's all been game. That's how he talks. It's not like he goes home and then there's a whole other person while while it's rapping. There's he a lot of rappers. Rappers. There's shoot. a lot of rappers that's like, damn dog, like what the fuck? Why are you rapping that crazy shit, bro? You and this bitch watching. You know what I'm saying? Right. Nick at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nick, they're watching Nick at night and shit. Yeah. Like, they were. They grew up in the church. You know what I mean? Like they never. They didn't even smoke weed till last year. Right. They're talking crazy on records. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, to finish what I was saying about Bun B, it's like, yeah, almost knowing Bun so well, it makes me really sad. I never got to meet Pimp to see their camaraderie because that's how, you know, I feel like me and Mikey are. We not as, we not as thorough as that. <laughs> like, I wish I could say I was, we was on some new Bun and Pimp shit, but there will never be another one of them. Mm. Like, uh, we were talking, I was doing an interview where I was talking about rap groups and how gone I was off Riding Dirty and Dirty Money. Oh, like, my God. Gone off of it. Like, listening to it, and every time I heard it, I heard a new line or something. I'd be like, oh, shit, well, I ain't going to do that no more. I ain't going <laughs> to say that no more. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. um, like, What about Asher Roth? That's, like, my guy, bro. That's my dude. I just, uh, I just saw him, what? Last week, yeah, he was here. Yeah, oh, you yeah, guys are yeah. both here. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, dude, Asher's one of the more talented musicians to ever live among us. But you know, everybody has their journey, and I tell them all the time, man, it's good. Like things just happen the way they happen, and as long as you leave, like that was our thing. Let's just leave great things behind on our journey. 
Cause like that Tangerine Girl, like that uh a- that uh Retro Hash mm-hmm. album, yeah, dog. You know what I'm saying? And uh, no, I think people are gonna see. I feel like just once once Asher has the reintroduction to the world, ain't gonna be shit you can do to stop him. <laughs> can you talk about what it was like to work with Kid Cudi? Again, or I mean, like you didn't work with him like early on, but but to work with him once he was Kid Cudi, yeah. I think I was just really in awe how fast everything was happening for him, and you know, it wasn't like sitting in the studio work. And then like, there's a lot of been like a lot of disconnect about what uh, when we got into it on Twitter or whatever shit. And, like, I'm over all of those things, but. You know, like, I didn't even release the song they were talking about that he was mad about. Like, mm-hmm. I had nothing to do with that shit. You know what I mean? And, uh... Wait, by the way, I I don't remember this at all. It was like a song that got released, and it was produced by me. And, right. And, uh, kind of was just going off about the producers, like, just talking out of his... You know what I'm saying? Like, people do that shit, but I came back like, fam. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we know each other, dog, so either call me or shut up. Yeah, it was like mean? a year and a half ago, two years ago. It was ago. like two years ago, yeah. but... It's so small, bro. It's just um, the thing is, it's just like I was saying about seeing those guys like like life tour shit, or Cuddy even being in a position where he felt suicidal or whatever was going on with him. Like that's what worries me is like people that I am peers with or have kicked it with. Like dog, that's what you have to go through in your brain. That's your day to day life, and it's like I have a. a, a an encompassing amount of sympathy and empathy for it. So it's like, I ain't mad at nothing uh, that me and him may have. I don't know what he goes through, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I ain't in a position to be like, hey, dog, just give me a hug, bro. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we don't see each other like that no more. Right. Like, but I wonder that shit. Like, bro, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you cool? Like, are you good? And when you hear things that, it's not even speculation. These are things he said back. Like, I read that little. Like, uh, the thing he wrote that was talking about his health condition, and that shit fucked me up, because yeah. it's like, damn, bro, like, like, I remember being in your house playing Red Dead Redemption and shit, Every, everything was about to be fucking fun. Yeah. Like, wh- how? And that's what I was scared of, like, what the fuck, bro? You know what I'm saying? Like, how yeah. did it go from this, and now you're, you gotta slay demons in your music? Yeah. Like, where, why? why? Well, how about this? But, so, I, like I was saying, I, I feel like... Because of his uh, his dedication to kind of pushing out shit that might not make sense at the moment, but it feels right to him, will do well for him, like, no matter what happens. Like, you know, Cuddy appreciates with value really well. Like, you can see his crowds, like, shit's deep. But, <clears throat> like I said, like, in our not being around and not speaking to each other, um... And me being in a position I was where I'm working to restart it. You know, like, you know, like, I'm not even, as I'm thinking about my problems, I'm looking at you like, well, what position would we rather be in? You know, this sucks, but it doesn't feel like this is fun for you. And right. that's what I'm trying to protect. Like, if I don't have fun, bro, it's not going to happen. So you you come from Detroit. And, like, you know, you watch, like, the movie, like, Out of Sight, and Steven Soderbergh has this, like, blue and gray aesthetic, right? You know, you had your formative years, uh, your college years, and afterwards in Chicago, which is also a very cold city. Um, you moved to California, 
and the cold is gone. So what does that do to your music and your mood and your your life? Um, it the there's two positive. It's like a it's a positive and a negative. The negative is it kind of created this monotony. Everything was the same day over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I mean, I had relationships going on out there there was there was things that were all new for me that I wanted to see if it was gonna fit for me or not you know I used to tell my mother I didn't think I was ever gonna be married or nothing like I wasn't trying to I was just like this is no girl's gonna put up with this shit and I'm not trying to force him to you know I'm not a lot to work with but the girls that I was meeting and you know like their their idea of what I did wasn't it was always cool in the beginning and when they couldn't have me the way they wanted me, they were down to annoy me, and that shit wasn't fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm about fair. If we're going to be together, this is a choice. Like We're doing this shit because we want to. Like We do not have to do this. So don't, you know, this, this is not an obligation. If you want to get up and go, get your fucking ass out of here. You know what I'm saying? Right, don't yeah. do me no favors. Right, right. right. So, Symmetrical <laughs> relationships only. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much, because without that given... Uh, you know, you're never gonna be like really number one. It's impossible to an artist to be number one when right. that man's or that woman's uh, creations yeah, is right. what drives their life. Like, I could be by myself and make music. I couldn't be with someone else and not be able to make music. Like, right. I couldn't trade being with you know the the soul made of twin flames of like the the person specifically for me if I had to give up music. And you would do Photoshop would, instead, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, that wouldn't, I couldn't do it. But if I <laughs> could do music only, and that were like, yeah, you can't be with anyone, and which will just be a musician, it'd be like, all right, well, I'll just take those odds. It's like you can try to tell me what to do, but I'm gonna still be out here trying to get on the hose. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there soul in LA? In the neighborhoods. In the in the in the in the LA you thought it was in the '90s, and in that part it is. Like this soul and and yeah, the people of L.A. that grew up in L.A. I love them. Um, L.A. a lot of transplants out there. Yeah, the L.A. mystique and the aesthetic of it, um, but it's not tight, you know. But the people that live there, they do their own thing. So it's two, three, four worlds in L.A. You know, like the the people that know each other, they stick together. So it's like. <laughs> The events they throw are fun. It's like them. This is with people that they've been going to high school with. <clears throat> like the other uh, day, I went to World on Wheels. Me and Buddy went to World on Wheels mm. for Joyce Rice's birthday. Mm. And uh, I, I heard like Nipsey has something to do with opening that back up. Mm -hmm. That's shit LA people do. Yeah, like World on Wheels ain't no. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to just be working out, walking out of World on Wheels on dummy because you know what I'm saying. That ain't the right. That's still an active part of town. Right. <laughs> and. When I went, I went on oldies night. Oh, that shit was so fresh. <laughs> that shit was so fresh, bro. <laughs> and I can skate too. Yeah. But um, I got a I got a pair of skates a uh, size too big for me. And uh, <laughs> do you like stuff the toe? <laughs> nah, I gotta figure out. I gotta go get me my own pair if I'm gonna skate more. Or you could break your ankle again. Uh, yeah, it just swells True. up. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's not an option. <laughs> that's the dream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Break your ankle, <laughs> roller skating. Uh, I I actually don't try to do shit I can't do. I, I was I was really good at like skating backwards 
and doing like little moves on skates. When? Uh, thirteen. Oh, I thought you were gonna be like twelve, thirteen, six ago. <laughs> 12, 13, 14. But I just started skating again in LA. Like once I found the roller skating rink, one of the rinks don't play the jams. World on Wheels, they was playing. Oh my god, they was playing Egyptian some, Lover. <laughs> they play, yeah, they play some wild shit that night because on I think it was on Thursdays they got um, oldies. That's the type of shit that in LA that's fun. They got a lot of farmers markets in mm-hmm. LA. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pockets of things to enjoy yourself. Like what? personally, I've I found peace being by the beach. Found peace in wearing shorts every day. And you know, when I first moved to LA, I didn't move like, let me just pack up my shit. Like I would go to Alchemists. Right. I was about to say yeah. right when you said you were by the beach, I was like, yeah, oh, I was go to Alchemists and I'll just be there for like four or five days, and then I have a hotel around and just pull up. And I was like, I was really. Obsessed with how, how Alchemist spent his day. Like we would basically wake up at six, seven thirty in the morning, um, because there was no time. There's no bed time in the studio. Like right. here, we'll work, and then there's a nap. Whatever you wake up from your nap is your new day. You know what I mean? <laughs> and well, we, we would wake up and you know go get breakfast, ride our bikes to get breakfast, stop get some weed, come back. Everybody's in different rooms making beats, 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 beats. Then it's dinner time. And then, like, there's a movie or a documentary on the TV and everybody's walking around. Like, one of the best times, like I said, when Prodigy died, that shit, I'm so glad I got to meet him the way I met him. Um, This is after, like, so I'm, like, getting a big-ass fight with the girl I was dating at that time. So she leaves the house, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go down the street to Al's. Like, there's no other. And I'm pretty sad, too, right? And, um, because it was, like, one of those situations, like, if you were living with a girl and now it just kind of hit the fan. Mm, right. So, um, you kind of have to deal with the fact, like, oh, <laughs> this shit might have been all for nothing type shit. And I go down to Alchemist and, and uh, P's there. And, uh, we get to talking about shit. He was like, yo, Don, just roll up a blunt. Fuck it. <laughs> so, we roll up, like three or four blunts and he's like yo you seen Breaking Bad <laughs> he's like yo Breaking Bad is wild P. he's like let's start from the beginning <laughs> yo so I started watching I've watched the first three episodes of Breaking Bad with Prodigy wow and he was like this shit was crazy and like um, just that access to how people respond to things in LA is pretty pretty uh it's pretty comforting because everything is kind of like a half speed. There's so many scenes um, out there, including alchemists. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've been around when hip hop's been over or, you know, yeah. uh, if, uh, you know, Bronson stops by or, um, you know, just uh, Brocky Marciano or all these people who just like come. That's and where we started. Yeah. And that's where we started. That there was be a day where everybody you just mentioned were all at Alchemist. <laughs> so it'd be like in the morning, it'd be like me, Brock, hip hop, Al, uh, Evidence, Blue would come through, uh, Schoolboy, mm-hmm. shit, I, Large Professor. It could be anybody at any time. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's just What's a, the more random scene, uh, Alchemist's house or Mac Miller's house? Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, by the way, Mac Miller's like old house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I uh, was there. In, um, 
Studio City, right? Yeah, yeah. I put, helped him put that studio together. Did you really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> did you sleep on the beanbag chair? <laughs> yep. I think I helped him get those beanbag chairs in that Buddha head. <laughs> I for sure went to go get the, the Buddha head with him and his assistant. But I was at that house when it was at a good space. I didn't get. I didn't make it to the debauchery days. Oh my god! I definitely was at the MTV uh, 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, party house shit. Yep. But I got into it with a girl. I was the same girl, and she went home, and then she was locked out. So I had to fucking leave. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go let her in. And then you watched three more episodes of Breaking Bad. That's right. And I wish. I think my cable's off that day. <laughs> I forgot to pay it. What's the most basic LA thing that you've done while out there? Have you run in Runyon Canyon? I was at Runyon before I was <laughs> Runyon though. God, you're so cool. Yeah, you're so hip. Yeah, I was. I heard they got a fucking DJ at Runyon now. Is that right? Yeah, they like Runyon has gotten. Oh, I go Griffith. Mm. That's the new one. Mm-hmm. And it's harder. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And people are like really just exploring. You know, it ain't no like everybody's got their phone and their fashionable and their dog and, shit. and their juice, right? Dude, that is like that's L.A. That's the L.A. that people travel to see when they're on do shit. You know, <laughs> and uh, I like to. I mean, my travel, my my food experience. My I mean, my living experience is based off my food experience. I'm not going to front. My first words as a human being was eat meat. <laughs> That's not a lie. So if I'm not, if the city's trash on food, we can't really do nothing. Right. And uh, that's the one thing L.A. is not. It's yeah. like you got to know where to eat, though. Like if you know where to eat, it's it's an art form. It ain't like New York where you could stumble. You ain't stumbling on shit. No right. No, ain't you, no, you ain't no walk up. Yeah. yeah, ain't no walk up. Ooh, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> Nah, fam. There is no such thing as that. Because as soon as you do that, you gotta go put meter in, put money in your parking meter. Right, right, right. As soon as you figure out, oh, let me go in here real quick. Nope. Um, now you gotta go back another half a block because your meter's over. Yeah, yeah. What was that? What was the phone call like to uh, to Mikey, or did Mikey make it to you to uh, to start getting back and recording me. stuff? I just called him. Was like, yo, it's just time, man. It was just time. I was looking at what was going on in the world and not trying to get political, but it's like if I want to say I want to do something and make sure I make the world cool, it's like everybody's going through this turmoil. What's the one thing I know I can do? Everybody wants to see the cool kids back together, bro. Like, And it's not like we haven't been making songs. It's not like we haven't done shows. You know, like we just needed a direction. We needed like a reason to... We needed a reason to tell this story, and it was getting our rights back. It was like the the little fuck shit situation that we were in was over October 2016, so it made more sense. Made more sense because now we can work on something. When before people don't know, like no matter what we did, it wasn't coming out. So <laughs> what was the point? Yeah, I was like we couldn't put it out unless we like got Mountain Dew to put it out. Right, and I you know I thank them for that. But it's not how I wanted to do it. Was there any thought of changing your guy's name? Yeah, I did all that. I went through all that, and all that shit was whack. What were some of the names you guys did not use? Just Chuck and Mike. Like, that was the only thing I could think of. Mountain Dew presents. (laughs) (laughs) Chuck and Mike. That was basically like, those are the things I was getting to. Like, what can we change our name to? But 
When you add that up, like how corny is that? Right. You just I'm gonna just I'm gonna just do what I thought. Like let's just wait this out. And we both were going through situations solo wise where it was like, you know, things weren't being handled or we both were, you know, struggling just to do what? Like let's just do this shit together. You know? Like, was it a long phone call when it was super it was super quick. And he was like, bet, bet, bet. He just said, yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, he knew it was time. And then right after that, I didn't give us an opportunity to go back on it right then and make sure everything was ready and make sure we had this rollout and this PR campaign. I just tweeted that shit. And in 10 <laughs> seconds, we were trending all over the world. Yeah. And he's like, dog, it's happened that fast. I was like, yo, that's who we are to people. It's like if, if we take it off the table, people will miss it. And now that we've brought it back, they're like, oh, shit, I've. Missed the cool kids. And then, you know, now that people are seeing, like, it's real and, damn, this album's really coming out. And when we did a show in Boston, like, these people walk up, I can't believe you really got, you guys really made, you guys really came back. <laughs> like, is this album real? Like, I'm, I still don't think people think it's real, but shit is real. Because in my heart of hearts, kids need this. And, like, the world needs to hear something that, you know, did what it did the first time. Like, I, I've been given a talent to, like, put emotions and feelings into songs that people really like and grow up off of and meet their husband or meet their wives or, you know what I'm saying? I've seen a cool kid's family where they met off the cool kids. They had a baby. They dress them in, like, you know, all the little stuff we used to wear. Like, I know this girl, she's got cats that are called Chuck and Mike. The cool kids. You know Yo, what I mean? You should have had them come out get sponsored by Mountain Dew. <laughs> 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 but the fact that I inspire really good things to happen on this planet is why we had to do it. And when we do it together, it matters so much to people. You know what I mean? And we didn't do this shit. We didn't go solo because we were selfish or we wanted some personal recognition. It was really because we didn't have another option and I really feel like God and the universe got together and was like, "This is how their deal goes. They want to. They want to take the. They want to take the later flight. Let's let's make sure they're comfortable when they get on it. You know, this is how you. You know, it's gonna be a long walk to your gate, but you know, when you get to your seat, you'll have enough feet room, and hopefully, you know, you'll be well fed and you can just lay back and relax. And you know what? And that that flight came in on time. So. Yeah, it came in really on time, and it's like. I can't say I, I'm, 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 I'm not, like, I'm blessed, man. I'm really blessed to even, and I haven't even lived through all the blessings I feel like I'll be through. Um, but right now, I'm sitting in your kitchen right before shit takes back off. Just like I've been right about everything. Like, this shit is like, next year, we'll have this talk and you'll be like, yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Like, <laughs> you were just saying this in the kitchen. Yo, congratulations on, on, you know what? Your entire journey on on Cool Kids Chuck, on Evan, on on Cool Kids Chuck now. Like I, I think it's pretty remarkable uh, the man that you've evolved into and uh, everything you have on your way. So. Yeah, man, that's what's cool about telling this story today because this is like the least the least funniest uh, interview I've done. That's been pretty. <laughs> on the comedy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely weren't funny today. <laughs> All three of us, we didn't talk about this shit for years, and we didn't tell one fucking joke, dog. 
<laughs> what the fuck? No, man, but we're thrilled for you. This is this is awesome. And, uh, and as long as you come back before eight years from now, we're good. You know? I'll be back. I'll be back. Thank you so much for coming up here. And, uh, and congratulations, and we'll talk to you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Jeff, if people want to find out more about us, we are It's The Real. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's The Real. If people want to find out more about our huge trip to London, if people want to find out more about our 10-year career, if people want to find out just more generally about what we're up to, where can they go? You can always go to Purchase Elementary School in Purchase, New York, and ask all of our elementary school teachers how we were as kids. That will really get to the core of us but you can also listen to all of our old episodes at soundcloud.com slash a waste of time you can always go on itunes search for a waste of time with it's the real or maybe just a waste of time or it's the real all of those things work if you want to listen on soundcloud.com slash it's the real that is for our music you can always listen to that as well on all streaming services they service our music if you want to find us on social media we are on it's the real on facebook it's the real on twitter it's the real on instagram but also it's it's the real and it's the real eric on snapchat i gotta be really honest jeff yeah i got a new phone as you did and i forgot my password to snapchat so if anyone's looking for me on snapchat I'm just not using it. Yeah, but you can also just follow It's The Real Eric on Snapchat. Maybe when he remembers his password, you'll be there, and you'll be the first to know that Eric is updating his Snapchat like that. Guys, you know this podcast will not grow unless you spread the word. We know it starts with us, and we want to shout out you guys so you can have some sort of incentive to spread the word. Jeff, who would you like to shout? I want to shout out Michigan Zone. Just stretch out your hand and point to, I think, the middle part of the hand. Okay. Um, Cliff Skywalker. Wow. Cliff Skywalker, who is one of the best people on social media, I think. Well, I follow him on Instagram, and his videos there are so good. His cooking videos, he's just the funniest guy. Cooking in the literal sense or is it cooking in the Lil B sense? Uh, he's very influential like Lil B. So, shouts to him, shouts to the whole Illroots family. Skywalker, S-K-I-G-H Walker on Instagram. Speaking of Skywalker, by the way, yeah, everyone should go listen to that Miguel and Travis Scott song called Skywalker because it is dope. I want to shout out our good friend Josh Dick, a.k.a. Josh No Name, a.k.a. Josh Last Name. Any other a.k.a.s that he has? He is the manager for the Flatbush Zombies for ASAP 12E. He works with Macklemore, one of the greatest dudes that we know on either coast of the United States and now back on the East Coast. Shout out to Josh. I want to hear about how Josh freestyled on... Tim Westwood show oh during God. the Flatbush Zombies episode <laughs> that everybody should go check out on YouTube. Also, guys, remember, subscribe at youtube.com slash it's the real. You will be the first people to check out our Rockefeller video whenever that goes up. Shout out to you guys. We appreciate you tuning in week after week. Not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys next week. Right. Right.